This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. It's all songs considered from NPR Music. I'm Robin Hilton, and this is the opening music of All Quiet on the Western Front. On the surface, it's very beautiful. It's mournful. It feels appropriate. But just when you're getting comfortable, just when you think you know what to expect, composer Volker Bertelmann punches a hole through everything. It's just three notes, three simple notes, a pattern that he repeats in lots of different ways throughout the score for the film. All Quiet on the Western Front was released late last year on Netflix. Volker Bertelmann, who some may know for his work under the name Hauschka, he just won a BAFTA for Best Original Score for his work on the movie. He's also up for an Oscar for Best Score. He says that he and director Edward Berger faced a number of challenges when working on the film. One of them is, how do you surprise audiences with a story that's been told so many times before? How do you make the expected unexpected? Bertelmann says they started by breaking down conventions. Edward said to me, please do something that is destroying the pictures, that is not, you know, underlining what we already see. We don't need that. We, it's already all there. And uh, then he said, I want to have something for Paul Bäumer's stomach, who is the, you know, the main protagonist. I want to have that, uh, the feeling from his stomach that he feels always when he's in the trenches. And I want to have a snare drum that is played by somebody who can't play the snare drum. <laughs> I love that. So well, that, yeah. that were the three sentences that he said. <laughs> there was nothing else. So uh, That's yeah. some good direction. <laughs> the idea being that if you destroy a scene with your music, you're probably doing the opposite of what some might expect. Like with the opening piece for the movie, it's called Remains. I want to hear a, a little bit more of it here. Those strings are just so lovely. And then those three huge, just massive notes. And the instrument is so unexpected, too. It sounds like a synth. But can I tell you what I think it is? Because I Mm -hmm. don't think it's a synth. Uh I think it's a harmonium. I think it's a harmonium. And I think you ran the whole thing through a bunch of distortion or something. Well, it's exactly that. And I think if you have a knowledge of, uh, let's say, accordion type of instruments, Um, you know, all the key instruments that are air-driven in a way, I I mean, there's no way that you can't hear it. All the sounds in there are harmonium. Like what you hear now, the crackling is actually the wooden paddles. Uh, Also the high note that is coming in, like the way, way, is also a higher harmonium, but the low one is actually a um, double register on the harmonium and that whole thing is played through a distortion. Um, But in this case, it was a very clear decision when I saw the film the first time. 
uh, I was thinking I need an instrument from that time. And in my studio, there was the harmonium of my grand-grandmother that I refurbished a year before. And uh, it was just like sitting there waiting for a job. <laughs> and so I was like, um, that could be an instrument for the opening because the whole opening is about the war machinery as a kind of production in a way, very cold in a way as what it is telling. But at the same time, it's very, um, you know, very precisely filmed and there's no words on that f first 10 minutes, but you know exactly what it's all about. And the cue gets, you know, faster and faster, but it's not the music. It's actually the, the machines, the elements of the machines are taken over. And we matched them in a way at some point that, uh, you know, the sound effects and uh, the music are fitting tuning-wise. Prepared Piano has obviously been such a huge part of your, your, your musical palette over the years. Or how much of that are we hearing in this cut? The scraping or anything? Is that all? Is any no, of that piano? It's no, all, it's, all, it's all harmonium. But I mean, with a prepared piano, uh, when you work on that so intensively like I do and I'm still doing, you always consider every noise and every randomness that is happening inside of the piano as a part of the music. In that case, I actually put overall eight microphones on the harmonium. I put like three inside of the, of the harmonium so you could hear the breathing and the, you know, the wood working as a machine so that I have these mechanical noises. And I um, recorded them individually as well so I could actually mute them. Um, and take them out and then, uh, you know, bring them back in. And, and that was very helpful because when I had this idea and, and this very first cue I sent that, when I did that, it was actually a day after I've seen the film the first time. Mm. I sent that and normally you don't send music directly to a director. Your intuition is maybe right, but you want to sit with it a little longer. And also you want to make sure that you have a wide range of variety as well already at hand so that you know okay i did this i did that i did that and then you present that as an idea and when you have a palette there's always a choice of the director uh, mostly that he says I, oh i think i like that i like that and i like that but in this case it was so clear to me that this would be the right thing that i just called him and i said uh, i think i will send you now one piece and, you know, if you don't like it, uh, you know, I will work on something else. But in my the back of my mind, it was for me like, if that is not working, I'm not sure what else could work. Where, because, to go? Where know, do we even go? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so that also, um, this piece also was a clear statement for minimalism. So that was clear. If he likes that, then we're on the right track together. So the next day he um, he called me and he was in his living room with his wife and um, they were both cheering through the telephone like, yes, this is exactly it. And, you know, and that was very uplifting, I have to say. After that, I was um, I was very happy. And so I could actually use that theme as my main basis to start on. Let's go to another moment that comes right after that opening and the, and the piece that we just heard remains. This is after there's been this battle and we see people undressing the dead bodies lying in these muddy fields. And we we follow the journey of their uniforms. You know, th these uniforms, they're covered in blood and they've got bullet holes. And we see the people who, these aren't getting tossed. They're getting washed and the holes are getting sewed back together and they're getting repackaged and folded up and then handed off to the next, 
you know, round of soldiers who are going to be sent out to battle. And this cut that you wrote to accompany this moment is called Uniform. Tell us what we're hearing. Well, you hear a loop that is also done with a, you know, with a harmonium like that does these whoop, whoop, whoop. That's actually a loop, um, a tape loop that I did with a harmonium. And then there is these snare sounds that are, in a way, a mixture of snare and crankasa. Basically, a, a big bass drum. A big bass drum, but you turn it on the, you know, with the fur upside down. So when you put things on it and you slam it, then these things are flying up in the air and they fall down. So you have a little bit the the hit, but you have also the aftermath of the, let's say, the metal pieces that are landing on the on the fur after you hit it. And so I use that in combination with an effect, uh, you know, with stutter delays and so that they, you have these kind of long tails that are slowly grumbling. Then you hear a lot of contrabasses that are, you know, the contrabasses are very loud and, um, you know, they do all these like low slaps. So when you were, when they're getting slapped, I think these, there are two or three hits in there that you can hear that are very low. But they also have this kind of like extreme raw attack to it. And they are very irregular. It's not like an arrangement on the grid. It's much more, it's searching because on top of that, you hear a choir singing like the, the soldiers are singing while they are marching. You hear a church bell ringing. You hear, you know, there are sounds that are in between where nothing is happening. All the other sound effects are coming into place. And when you hear now the music without them, suddenly the music gets extremely sculptural because you have um, you have these islands of sound and then there is a little hole and then there is another one. But because everything has a space, you know, on screen, you actually recognize everything. And that's actually sometimes uh, the difficulty with the score. You do, you spend so much time in detail and then suddenly one sound, let's say the sound of a ship that is cr- passing from left to right is actually over rolling the whole detail that you've worked on. So in this case, it was very nice that we could work together. And I recently, it, it was not long ago, I heard I, somebody sent me an email saying that he, uh, a couple of times he switched off the picture and he was just listening to the sounds and the music for the whole film. And he, he was totally in it, like very deeply in it, and that it works even without the, the picture, that sound and, if, and sound effects and uh, music are working so well together. And that was for me a, a fantastic compliment because a lot of times that is not happening. It's one of the most difficult dances you have to do as a composer is to figure out how to be a part of it without being too overbearing or overwhelming. You don't want to drown anything out, but you don't want anything to disappear, mm-hmm. you know, and, and where you start and stop and leave those spaces. 
And yeah, and you also you always have the discussion about um, you know can you make it louder? Yeah, uh, I I think one of the things that you hear in the piece uniform is something that you do throughout the film, and and that is it is just uh, this ongoing study of extreme contrasts. You have those strings that are just so beautiful set against something so so jarring. Yeah, and it's actually what makes maybe the pieces as well. I would say they get a, a surface in a way, and a surface that is not like flat. So they they have these peaks, and that makes the music in, in a way touchable. But at the same time, something can happen, and you prepare the listener and the audience for this moment to accept certain spontaneous snare drum hits or something like that. You are not at, at the end. I think you are still surprised, but suddenly the music becomes a part of the film and you accept it, it you're, you're accepting it which is with the performance of a prepared piano as well you know when i'm starting a lot of the people in the audience think oh what is that what mm -hmm. is he doing and why is it sounding so weird and uh, mm -hmm. let's say after half an hour suddenly they're like oh i'm actually not feeling the weirdness anymore i'm much more in it and then at the end m a lot of people are very happy that they stayed you know <laughs> and i And I think it's, um, you know, in our days, I think these surprises, we're longing for those so much because everything is so conformed in a way. Um, you know, we have a lot of things that are very similar and to find an, a way of being surprised or finding something individual is not so easy to find. And I think to have the chance of doing some risks like that is for me, it's for me such a big gift. There's this incredible moment uh, in the film where Germany asks France for an armistice. And the French demand a full surrender and they tell the, the Germans, you know, you have 72 hours to accept these conditions. And, and then France says that the fighting will continue until Germany has signed. And, you know, what they're essentially saying in that moment is that the human slaughter will continue mm -hmm. until you have given us everything. Mm -hmm. And the piece that you wrote for this incredible moment is, is just called 72 Hours. It's actually a lot of uh, war horns. I, I had um, a guy coming here from a medieval, well, he's a performer on medieval markets and he's um, having a huge collection of very old war horns and uh, in all sorts of sizes. Um, and we recorded a lot of these war horns that were, um, you know, doing these, you know, these mm -hmm. kind of um, shouting sounds that are a little bit even like yearning or something like that. Um, 
And I recorded from those many layers, but at the same time, we also used a lot of strings that were doing these glissandos, these weird pitch shiftings. And uh, I think they were mixing in the end very nicely together. And underneath, you have just the pulse of the negotiations in a way, because time is passing by. They are really, I mean, they want to move onwards. And you can see that the soldiers are stalling, so you can actually see how everybody is getting ready until you hear these these sounds of yearning in a way. And um, and what I liked about that is that the contrast is in a way there as well. You have something that is ticking very slowly and building. And at the same time, you have these elements of horror. But they don't sound like horror. They sound more like somebody's shouting or a group of people are crying from far away and they just ask help or please... Honestly, that was something that I was not expecting to turn out so well because I, I had already that harmonium sound. Mm. We actually named those two elements. The one from the beginning was our Led Zeppelin theme. <laughs> um, and and this one was our Bob Dylan. Edward always told me, like, uh, can you do this Led Zeppelin here as well? Then I knew exactly, okay, uh, this is this, you know. You're actually having suddenly a language that um, where you straight away just n hear, hear a name of an artist that yeah. you like and you yeah. just uh, straight away know, okay, this is this this theme, so let's use that, you know. My conversation with Volker Bertelmann about his score for the film All Quiet on the Western Front will continue right after this short break. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lagunitas Brewing Company. Since 1993, Lagunitas has been challenging the status quo, brewing innovative beer, and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of craft brews, cult classics, and non-alcoholic options, there's a seat at the bar for everyone. Bring the dog, too. Lagunitas Brewing Company. Because every great song deserves a great beer. It's good to have friends. Learn more at Lagunitas.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. Your next trip is closer than you think with the Venture Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor BritBox, helping people discover a world of British TV, including new original drama Time, starring Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, and Bella Ramsey. Streaming at BritBox.com NPR. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. I want to get back to those three main notes that you used at the top of the film. It's fairly common for film composers to take a theme and rework it throughout the score. And you do that in some really beautiful ways with All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, here's a piece called Scarf that completely reimagines those opening notes, those three notes that are really pretty brutal when we first hear them. Here's how you reimagine them later in the film. Again, the song is called Scarf.
I mean, that's for me the religious theme. You know, the lost humanity. That is, I think, a very religious aspect of the film because the fact that through being a soldier, you're losing very quickly all humanity and everything that you've believed in and that you had beforehand. And you're wishing to come back to that place at some point and um, get that back. I think this music, wanted, I wanted to be in a, maybe in a sort of Bach area. What I feel when I listen to Bach music, because it has um, this very deep sense of existence. In a way, the feeling that you have maybe in the morning when you open your eyes and you know that you have another day that you can fill up with things that you love. That is, in a way, something that I think is very spiritual for me personally, because then I know I have 12 or 15 hours to do something that I really love. And maybe, uh, at least for me, that is, a, I know that there are many other people who have a different feeling when they wake up and they are forced to that. But I think there's always the wish, I guess, for everyone who wants to get back to a warm and secure place and having and doing something that you like. You mentioned earlier the lead character protagonist named Paul. I want to hear a bit of the closing cut named after him. It's called Paul. You know, at this point, we've seen unspeakable horrors and loss, and um, it's not like the film ends on a happy note. But there is a hint of hopefulness mm -hmm. in this piece. Well, the learning of the film that, you know, everybody's dead in a way, what you learned out of that, I think when you hear that piece of music and you look in the forest, I wanted to have people not ending totally in depression. I just felt like it's much more like, yes, it's painful, but there will be a possibility of changing things, or at least for myself to learn that, you know, it's a very, very subtle. If you do that too optimistic, this is not working. Mm. You, you have to have a little subtle uh, optimism in there and warmth and uh, humanity in a way. The film ultimately ends with some staggering statistics. One is that after four years of fighting in the trenches that defined the battle lines on the Western Front that they'd barely moved at all, you know, mm -hmm. and that three million people died there alone just to gain inches. Mm -hmm. um, 17 million total in the war. I'm wondering what it meant for you to work on a film like this that sparks so much, you know, just, I, I don't know, just reflection on just the fragility of life. Mm-hmm. In a way, this film is in a way already different because it has a different approach, because it's the first film that is told from the German side, which you have to, of course, be humble. You know, we have a much different, of course, historical connection to those two world wars because, of course, we brought a lot of pain to other countries and, um, you know, there's a lot of, in our culture, we still have this in our DNA somehow the fe the feeling of guilt and shame about it. It has nothing to do with hero with um, heroes, 
I, I mean, this spot we are talking about is actually um, two hours away from my home. I can drive there with a car. So in Europe is very close and it's full of wonderful nations and wonderful countries with different languages. And uh, I love going to every country where I can learn in a way about myself, where actually diversity and, um, you know, the foreignness of things are so helpful to discover new things on myself. In a way, when I saw the the boys, these boys' lives, and um, of course also the senselessness of their operation, it helped me in a way also to think about my own life and thinking about the focus of, of time and what I want to express in a way of embracing other people and um, learning about their behavior and learning that it's not something that separating me from them. I think the main topic for me is actually that we learn more about others and accept them and, and let them live how they want to live rather than putting something on top of them as a rule that nobody knows where it was coming from. And I think that is here the same. I mean, in a way that those 17 million died was just coming from lies and, and you know, and that continued. And I think that is something that made me think and I, I had the feeling that for me, it's good to create understanding and even in my everyday life um, when I'm seeing other people that are different than me, that I have to understand what why they are different. And uh, it's not about me going right out of the house and complaining um, and uh, telling them what I hate about them, you know. Mm. So that's in a way the beginning. As my mother said, start with your neighbors. It's much more about, you know, where can we find common ground for peace? And I think it starts with every individual. That's Volker Bertelmann talking about the music he wrote for the film All Quiet on the Western Front. He just won a BAFTA for Best Original Score and is also up for an Oscar for Best Score. And I'm Robin Hilton. It's All Songs Considered from NPR Music. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Dignity Memorial. When your celebration of life is prepaid today, your family is protected tomorrow. Planning ahead is truly one of the best gifts you can give your family. For additional information, visit DignityMemorial.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, I hear you have a birthday coming up. Yeah, you. If you're listening to this, that means you have a birthday coming up eventually. And here at Life Kit, we want it to be a special one. Magic can happen and good luck can happen and serendipity can happen if we're open to it. How to have a good birthday, even if you're not a birthday person. That's on the Life Kit podcast from NPR.